Shalom, and welcome to Discipleship Discussion Podcast, the show where we discuss how discipleship to Messiah Yeshua informs our choices and actions in everyday life. My name is Ben Frosted, and with me today, as usual, are Chris Stevens and David Johnson. Our conversation today is going to be about stewarding kingdom resources, and in particular, we're going to be talking about finances. Everybody's favorite topic. That's right. (laughs) So I want to start off with a controversial statement. Money is spiritual. What do you guys think? I completely (laughs) agree. I think that it's, it is so closely tied. It, you know, there's, there's so much talk in scripture about money and and its pull and its weight and and how it's used as a tool and it can become <laughs> it's the number one competition for your heart um right in opposition to god so yeah. absolutely yeah yeah even even since the time of the early church there were the gnostics who had this idea that everything physical was evil right and there's sometimes a real wrestling with that trying to figure out hey things that god made are actually good these things are not evil we need to use them for his glory and they are spiritual yeah and that's that's the thing is that i think the the common idea out there is that like well finances that's it's one of those things that you know well we we need to focus on spiritual matters and you know finances is not uh depending on where you go of course right uh depending on what circles you're in but you know from a Hebraic perspective, all aspects of our lives are are connected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to who we are, how, you know, our spirituality, our our physicalness. It, it's all it's all wrapped together, right? Now, you know, some people might object. Well, well, doesn't the Bible say money is the root of all evil? No, the love of money is the root <laughs> of all sorts of evil. That's right. First Timothy six ten. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that, that really puts a, a different spin on it, right? And, and, and that's very true, right? Mm-hmm. People, for the love of money, have done all sorts of different things. That doesn't mean that all evil stems from the love of money, but all kinds of evil that you can imagine have been done out of a love of money. So, so money is a tool. Right? Like any tool, it can be used for good or it can be misused for harm. You know, if you have a hammer, you can use that hammer to do something constructive, part of the pardon the pun, <laughs> build a house, whatever. Or you can use that hammer to do something destructive. You can smash a window. You can you can even hurt someone, right? So the tool itself, money in and of itself, is not good or bad it's 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 neutral it's how we use it um and how we relate to money that is good or bad that's true so i think that there are two extremes when it comes to talking about money uh the one extreme would be what's commonly known as prosperity gospel the idea that when you follow yeshua properly then you should be healthy and wealthy and live along in happy life and you have to have should... faith in there though too yes but you have to have faith and yes and uh the more faith you have the more money you'll have, you know these sorts of things you know 
That's not what the scripture teaches. No, they, they're using it as a formula, as a right. get, get rich quick formula. Right. Yep. And and look at the history of passionate, sincere followers of Yeshua, those who are righteous, even recorded in the scriptures. Look at the example of Yeshua. Uh, he did not live a long, prosperous life on this earth, right? No. And uh, and we're following him and imitating him. So, so following Yeshua is not an automatic ticket to wealth and health. But there's also a large amount of scriptural basis for the patriarchs and righteous men being very wealthy. Right. That's right. And so the other extreme then is, I don't know what we'd call it, maybe poverty gospel. Hmm. The idea that all true followers of Yeshua will perpetually struggle in their finances. I don't think that's biblical or righteous or healthy either. No. Right. So so there's those extremes that I think we need to avoid when we're talking about money. I've experienced people who are at both extremes too in my journey and maybe on the prosperity side you come across people I mean my wife went to a private Christian school and there there are a lot of very rich people who are maybe focused on like I deserve these certain things and my spirituality is going to help me attain those and sometimes we come across that in modern theology in different ways and then on the other end, the poverty side of things, we've been connected with people who are maybe overly focused on, we need to be simple and live so simply that it hurts. But in both of those extremes, it seems like there can be a real lack of identity. Right. Like searching for, I want an extreme because I'm not clear on my identity. And those are unhealthy extremes. You're totally right, Ben. And ironically, both sides can end up taking our focus off of God. Oh, absolutely. Well, even, even in Proverbs, you know, give me neither riches nor poverty because yeah. <laughs> both of them end in taking us farther away from God. Right. Yeah, and in the end, they're both me-focused. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a me gospel. Yeah. I'm going to be rich or I'm going to be poor, but this gospel is primarily about me, which is untrue. The gospel is about Messiah. That's right. Yeah, and speaking of Messiah... Yeshua talked a lot about money in his teachings, right? Yes. So I think uh, one of the one of my favorite parables, at least, is Matthew twenty-five, verses fourteen to thirty, the parable of the talents, right? And I, I'm sure we all know the parable. The different different people were given different number of talents, and they were to go and put them to use. And in the end, the master comes back and says, "So you know, how did it do?" And you know. The person that only had one talent, he went and instead of putting that to use, he hid it, he buried it. And then he brought it back and said, see, I I kept it for you. It's safe. It's secure. You know, and that was the wrong thing to do. Right. (laughs) And, you know, obviously the parable is not just talking about money, but it certainly includes money. Yeah. Right. It's, It's talking about the resources that God gives us. Um, and, and I think that there are three primary raw resources that each of us are entrusted with. We're each entrusted with time, with money, and with the unique giftings that God has given each of us, the unique talents and skills, right? Well, yeah, in that parable, you know, I've, I've often heard people talk about it as if it is, you know, just your talents, 
Right. Right. And it's, you know, they like focusing on, on that, but in the parable, he's talking about money. Yeah. Right. And it's actually, that parable is where we get the English word talent. Yeah. The word talent is, it was a monetary measure um, in Yeshua's day. And it came into the English language to mean, you know, you can sing or dance or play the piano yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because of that parable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is too funny. It's cool too that Yeshua is telling these parables about such tangible things. Like he's talking about money, he's talking about farming, he's talking about all this stuff. But Yeshua is the son of God. Like he he understands things way outside of this creation. But maybe in that he's showing that the gospel can infuse our everyday life with the kingdom of heaven and with spirituality which is getting back to what you were saying at the beginning, Ben, money can be spiritual and it can it can take us towards the goal of the kingdom and we can use it for kingdom purposes. So Yeshua is saying, there's something big here, guys. I am telling you stories about money because this is important. No, absolutely. Well, and, and going back to what you were saying about like, you know, time, then <laughs> time and, and how that, um, you know, our resources that we're given, you know, I heard it talked about, it was, it was a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable. I'll, I'll say that. But like, if we think about time is our life, correct? Like hmm. we're, we're given an allotted amount of time. Right. Right. And so we've all heard, <laughs> heard the saying, you know, time is money. Hmm. Right. And then, and then I heard it said, well, you know, money can then be also equated to life because if time is money and time is also life, then life is also can be equated in money. And so it, it was a, a little bit uncomfortable to think of it in those terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it brought up a really important point that it's not just something you can ignore. Yes. Right. It's exactly. something that's that, you know, if if you're mismanaging it, you are in a sense mismanaging your life. Yes, and mismanaging something that God has entrusted to us. Well, it has a purpose. Right? If He's giving it to you, it has a purpose. That's right. Yeah, but yeah, definitely, time and money. You know, it's kind of like E equals M C squared, right? There's a yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a connection, a formula, I guess you could say, for how you translate between time and money, and and that affects our life, right? That's that's that sums up God. God has put us here. He's given us a, an allotment of time, an allotment of money, and we need to be good stewards of both. In the the book of Proverbs, uh, it mentions the word the Hebrew word hon, which means wealth. Uh, it uses that word eighteen times, and half the time, it's it's used in a positive way. Right, you know, home wealth is a blessing that we should desire. It's something that's good, right? Yeah. But half the time, it's negative. You know, don't put your trust in it. Don't put your trust in wealth, in riches, right? And I think we have to keep that tension, right? On the one hand, it's it's a blessing. It's a positive thing, right? We can't we can't say that it's evil. It's not. It's a blessing to have more money, but we can't put our trust in it. We can't rely on it. Well, and it's a, it's a balancing act, very much like balancing your books. <laughs> you know, like it's it's just a constant adjustment and and knowing exactly, 
where your emotions towards it are going along with, you know, where you're spending your money because, you know, like, like the scripture says, where your where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You know, I right. think knowing what you're spending money on is a pretty good indication of what's most important to you too. That's right. So ultimately, I think there's really no such thing as financial security, right? No. That's a term we hear thrown around sometimes is, you know, we want to be in a place of financial security. But, you know, if and sometimes we might think, well, if I had X amount saved up or if I had X amount of income, you know, then then I would be safe. You know, then I would have it made. Then I could relax and I wouldn't have to worry about money anymore. But, you know, you can have you can have all your ducks in a row. You can have it made in the shade. But God can take it all away in an instant. You know, look at the look at the story of Job. Everything, all God has to do is breathe on us, and we wither away, right? Like the grass in the field. Like like nothing is permanent in terms of wealth, and and even our own lives. This is this. It's all fragile, and we have to hold on to it loosely. Well, and, and just even the whole idea of wealth. Like when you talk to somebody about who's rich. It's always somebody with a little bit more than what they have. Right. You can talk to somebody that, you know, that has millions and millions of dollars in the bank. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not rich. It's, you know, one step up. Yeah. You know, the, the next guy is the guy that's rich. Yeah. You know, but, you know, by the fact that if you live in North America, you're already, you know, in the 1% of of age earners disposable income around the world. Yes. Right? And so it's such a subjective measure. Right. And and that's sobering to realize that too because that means that when the Bible talks about rich people, that's us. That's us. Yeah, absolutely it is. Those of us, you know, who live in North America and and a lot of, you know, most of the people that would be listening to this, yeah. I presume, would be in that category of the rich, right? That the Bible talks about. That's that's not something we can escape, right? That's not something that we can, you know, be like, oh, no, I hate myself now that I'm rich. But no, that means that we've been given a responsibility to use what God has given us. That's a really good point. And sometimes it is hard to come to grips with the fact that, hey, we live in a privileged country or a privileged area right. or maybe a privileged family. But it's important, too, not to go to an extreme and get a guilt trip over it. Because I've seen that before where you think, oh, wow, God's given me so much. Look at the children starving in Africa. And as a child, I remember guilting over this, thinking, I'm, I'm guilty that I have and they don't have. And getting a guilt complex over it instead of maturely realizing, hey, I have and I need to steward it correctly. Others don't have as much and God can help me to meet their needs in certain ways. Well, and, and it's it's pretty when we talk about that, isn't it almost taking a lot of um, responsibility ourselves for something that we really didn't have any control over? Like I, I just think about the parable of when the the man with the vineyard who's who sends the workers out in the morning and agrees to a wage. And then he keeps finding more guys later in the day and more guys later in the day and more guys later in the day. And then pays them all the same, right? Like the guys at the end of the day weren't expecting to get 
the full pay of the guys that worked all day. Right. But that was, you know, the master saying, I want to give what I want to give. And so who are you to tell me what to do with my money? Mm-hmm. Right. And and so it it can almost, we can almost be a little arrogant in saying, you know, well, God, you shouldn't have given me this or you should have given them more. Or, you know, God chooses to give what he chooses to give. Yeah. And with that, like, you know, going back to the parable of the talents, the point is that to whom more is given, more will be expected. expected. Yeah. Absolutely. And and we are those to whom more has been given. Yeah. And it's it's sobering. And like you said, it's not something we should have a guilt trip over, but yeah. it's it's a responsibility that we need to own up to. And part of that means being good stewards, right? Having this conversation about yeah. finances, about money, realizing that this is something that affects us uh, on a deep level. And and you need, you need some skills with it, right? Yeah. Like just like everything else that we've been given, we need to have the skills to be able to do a, a good job with what we've been given. Right. So I have a question for you guys then. How does money tie into our relationships, our emotions, all the different areas of life that are coming at us at the same time? That's a good question. Like I said at the beginning, money is spiritual, but we could add to that. Money is also emotional. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whether we like it or not, right? You know, it, it's one of those things that you would think that money would be the least emotional thing in the world, right? Like like it's <laughs> cold, it's hard, it's like it, it doesn't care about anyone, it's no respecters of person, but yet it's so emotional for us as humans, right? Absolutely. Well, I just, I just think of um, a concept of, of an emotional or financial thermostat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all, but it's the, the whole idea of the amount of money that you are comfortable managing before you start making dumb decisions so right. that it brings you back to that amount of money, right? And so, um, you know, some people are set at billions of dollars, and some people are set at negative dollars, right? right? And um, yeah, it's it's something that I think is really helpful to be aware of. Just just even asking yourself, okay, at what point at at what point if I have a certain number of dollars, for for example, in the bank, how much money can I have in the bank before it starts burning a hole in my pocket? Right. <laughs> Interesting. I've also heard that money is the number one cause of marital strife. And when Hannah and I were doing our premarital counseling with a pastor, Pastor Terry, a friend of mine, he was saying, hey, before you guys get married, make a budget of what you think things are going to look like. And he said, who's going to do the financial planning and things in your home? And I said, well, I think I will. He said, you guys need to do it together. And realizing, wow, this is really important for my relationship with my wife that we work on this together because God forbid I might not be around in a while and we both need to be in on this. We both need to be planning together. And I think that can take some of the stress out of it too. Cause when you don't know what's going on with the books, it's kind of a scary place to be. Um, the fear of the unknown. Well, and another thing that I think um, ties in with this marital strife issue is that when we talk about money, we're not totally different. We're things. not always talking about the same yeah, thing. Exactly. Absolutely. So, so here, let me ask Chris, I'm going to ask you a series of questions here. Sure. So what is important about money to you? Having money to me 
it's important uh, because it gives me choices. Right. So what's important about choices? Having choices gives me freedom, I think. Um, yeah, it gives you the freedom to, to choose your path that you want to that you want to walk down okay so what's important about that because that allows me to make the choices to to do what i feel god is calling me to do in my individual circumstance at that point in time so in other words money actually comes down to being able to follow god freely yeah yeah so it's living out the path that God has called me to, it gives me the freedom to do that if there's margin. Yeah, because, you know, if if the margins are too small, I think a lot of times you feel constrained and you feel that you can't truly do what you've been called to do. And I think we, we sometimes feel pressure. We look at, you know, any different group. A lot of times people want to be there and involved, but they feel they have to be working or, or, you know, their time is pulled in other places because they don't have the margin to do what they really truly want to do. Right. Yeah. And it, and it's like a pair of handcuffs. If, if you don't have the margin, whether it be time or money, and as we've talked about before, those two are, are very closely connected. So a, a mismanagement in money means that you don't have the margin of time. Right. Right. And so it, if I'm mismanaging that, it's it's what it's actually costing me is the the feeling that I can truly follow what God is calling me to do. Mm-hmm. So you answered the, those questions that way, yeah. But someone else might answer them completely differently. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And so that's and then so when we're talking about money, if if that's my answer or my definition, and if for example, let's say my wife. Hers is totally different mm-hmm. or, or the, the end result could still even be the same thing, but it may not be choices and freedom. It might be something totally different. It may be security or right. safety or whatever other emotion that is tied to that. And so if, if I'm making a choice to spend money on something that she sees as taking away from <laughs> what her values are we're going to have a fight about money and it's not about money at all right yeah you're using the same word you're using the word money yeah but you're talking about two totally different things and things that touch on deep emotional values within you right yeah hey so when the rubber meets the road how does it work when we're a steward of money at what point are we serving money and at what point are we serving god because I've known believing people in Saskatoon, in my city, that there was this believing businessman, very wealthy, but he didn't act like a believer with his finances. He had a whole bunch of apartment buildings and realty, but other people always got the short end of the stick. So this guy professes his faith in God, but it really looks like he's serving himself. So how does that work for us then? I think what that comes down to is you need to have a vision from God of what, what it's actually for. Like he's, if he's giving it to you and if, if you're truly serving God, it's going to, he's going to give you a vision for what it's designed to do. 
Right. Right. And I think that that you, we really need to seek that is like, okay, God, you know, you've put this money in my hand. What do you want me to do with it? Like exactly like the, the, the talents, he, he was to put it to work and, and to create more. But at the same time, we have to do that in a very ethical and a way that is not going, going counterproductive to the gospel and our witness and, you know, all yeah. of that. This goes back to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about vision and, and values, right? Yeah. It's not just not just having a vision that's important. It's having God's vision, right? A yeah. godly vision yeah. and God's values in place, right? So, so simply pursuing money without righteous values in place, uh, the Proverbs talks about that a lot, right? Um, the Proverbs talks about the botsea batza, the seeker of unjust gain, right? And and warns against that repeatedly. So there has to be values in place. And they have to be God's values that are in place. But I do think we need to be careful too of judging the motives and the actions of other people as well. Because, you know, I've definitely seen the you know, from my experience in, in seeing some, some businessmen who seemed quite stingy and that other people were what would sometimes seem the short end of the stick. And yet they were extremely, extremely generous in, in pushing forward, you know, ministries and things like that. And I think a lot of times we have a tendency just to think because somebody's rich that they're ripping us off. And I think that you know, there's, there's, we need to be careful of judging that as well. But yes, because we are each personally responsible for for being that witness and managing our money in a godly way, and that's God's given that to each of us. And yes, we need to hold each other accountable. But I think, I think often we tend to slip into judging people. And, you know, Yeshua talks about not letting your charity be known to men, right? And so a lot of times I think we need to be careful that we aren't saying, you know, these people are so stingy and they're so rich. And yet at the same time, they're being extremely generous. We just don't know about it. Right. So, yeah, that goes that goes back to, well, that relates to the importance of giving, right? Yeah. And God gives us resources and part of the responsibility with that is it's incumbent upon us to give to others as well right we receive from god and we are to be also god's vessel for others to receive yeah so i think going back to this idea of of financial security you know there's no such thing as that but financial security is not the same as financial peace mm. Our trust has to be in God. God has to be our source of peace, right? Our peace can't rely on our circumstances. It can't rely on our finances. It has to rely on him. Now, that's easier said than done. But sometimes there are legitimate circumstances that are beyond our control, right? But most of the time, our financial situation is the result of choices that we make. If we don't plan or steward our resources, that's also a choice. Yes. Right? 
And so it's important that we make wise choices. It's not ideal or healthy for us to be perpetually maxed out in our time and our finances, like we were talking about. Well, and a lot of times I think it comes down to what we're just used to or what we were modeled or there just wasn't even conversation around right. money <laughs> growing up or things like that, right? There's there's definitely a lot of times where nobody's talked to us about money or how to be how it's supposed to be used or budgeting or managing it. You know, a lot of those things, they're skills that many people just have no experience in. Yeah, and sometimes finding the right resource or the right skill for money management can be so helpful. I mean, for me, looking at different ways to manage money, I used to use Excel spreadsheets and track everything down and ways that weren't sustainable for me or my personality. Eventually, I came across uh, an app called Mint, and it's an awesome app. It's connected to the bank account through a really reputable company, and Mint is a great way to keep track of spending and making budgets for the future in different categories, and that's been awesome for me and my family. Yeah, well, I think all this underlines the importance of, of starting this conversation, right? This is a, an important topic for us to talk about, and it's a topic that we are going to uh, look forward to talking about more in future episodes. But I think we're going to have to wrap it up for this time. Discipleship Discussion is brought to you by Segula.net. Our goal is to cast a vision for a healthy and mature Messianic Torah movement and deal with issues that affect our everyday lives as disciples of Yeshua. If you have suggestions for topics we should discuss on this show, send us an email at feedback at segula.net. Whether you're Messianic, Christian, Torah observant, or whatever lingo you prefer, we hope this conversation has been a blessing to you. And together, may we all become a glorious people in Messiah.